Welcome back to A Living Color Abroad. I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. On this episode, you'll be hearing me speaking to Susana Garcia, who has lived abroad in Mexico. I'm very excited about this episode because this is the first post-abroad experience. And she talks to us about that. She talks to us about transitioning back into the United States, into New York, and that, you know, going from one culture to another. She speaks to us about something about collectivism and individualism, how that differs in both uh, societies, and also speaks to us about things she misses about Mexico and why she feels she has one more trip abroad left in her of living abroad. Uh, hope you enjoy this episode. This is In Living Color, Abroad. is Susanna. Susanna, welcome to In Living Color Abroad. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Anytime, anytime. So Susanna, tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, my name is Susanna Garcia. Most people call me Susie, so either or it's fine. I'm from Westchester County, New York, and I know you're from one of the boroughs. (laughs) So I don't want to hear any jokes or any smack talking about Westchester County. (laughs) Can't promise you that. Um, Okay, okay. I'm the oldest of three, so I have two younger sisters. Um, First generation Mexican-American. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so um, the reason why, those are listening, the reason why she mentioned the Westchester <laughs> County is I got in contact with Susanna through a coworker of mine, a colleague, Anika, who's also from, uh, not New York City, uh, from Westchester County. <laughs> and no, so uh, that's why I'm glad that I was able to uh, get in contact with Susanna, who's also, who has lived abroad. So this is, let me just say, this is my first episode Someone that's already lived abroad, and I'm glad that I'm getting that perspective of the of the post experience. Yeah. So let's get right into it, Susanna. So you lived where? I was in Mexico in a state called Aguascalientes, um, which is the most central state in the country. So when you're looking at a map, it's smack in the middle. I was in the capital city in that state, Aguascalientes City. Awesome. Aguascalientes. What a name. What a... <laughs> I know. What was the water? Was the water hot? Was that like an actual thing or was just the name of the You know, <laughs> they do have these thermal baths they're known for, um, which was pretty sweet. I actually tried more towards the end of my year. I was going kind of monthly because it's just relaxing and why not take advantage of it yeah. while you're there. Also, by the way, just to give some context to, to this episode as well, before I started recording, I asked um, Susanna how old she was. Because most of my guests have been around my age, like 28, 29, you know, 30 years old, even older. And I'm curious about like the younger perspective on this because like I haven't, you know, I, I wish, honestly, I don't regret coming later, but I wish yeah. I was there when I was younger. So like what made you, you know, decide at, you're, you're 24? Yes, I'm 24. Yeah. So what made you decide, you know what, I'm going to like, I'm going abroad. What made you decide to do that? Yeah, so I'm thinking back to that mini pre-conversation we had, and you said something along the lines of, I just wanted to get it out of the, out of my system, mm-hmm. and I feel like it is something I wanted to do particularly with Mexico. So during my undergrad years, I became 
really involved with the international student population we had on campus. Uh, I was an Italian minor. I studied English, English major, um, minors in writing and Italian. So with Italian, I studied abroad for a semester, had that experience, came back, and I kind of became a point person for international students on campus. I was always volunteering with our study abroad office. Um, I worked in my school's writing center, particularly with international students. And then I had a friend who had similar experiences, had also been abroad, um, was also working kind of in study abroad, and she was applying for a Fulbright grant. Um, In the past couple of years, I went to a small liberal arts school in upstate New York called Siena College. Siena was getting a lot of Fulbrighters out of um, the school, maybe three or four a year. So they were looking to nominate someone else for the program, Um, And my friend mentioned me. I had a meeting with the study abroad director, and we kind of talked about options. It was something I was really interested in because I wanted to spend some time abroad. And, and, you know, it's also like post-grad. I had no idea what I was doing with my English degree. Um, So really just exploring options. I did not really study education in my undergrad because I didn't want to get that English ed degree and feel like I was pinpointed to be a literature teacher like my whole life. Um, So the process really took my entire senior year. In July and August, I had initial conversations about applying for a grant. I was really interested in going back to Italy because I love Italian culture. I love the language. I could really see myself there. Um, But winning a Fulbright to Italy is super competitive mm. i think they only give out two or three per cycle and where in so, sorry where in italy did you study abroad i was in siena italy so okay. that's um in tuscany got it so really just like in smack in the middle of all that history mm-hmm. um so then they were giving me a couple of alternatives um they suggested possibly argentina um and then i kind of thought mexico just because you know, my family is Mexican, we are Mexican, so I was like, that'd be cool to go back there. Um, I'd say two or three weeks after that initial conversation, I took a family trip to Mexico, and that was my first time going back to Mexico in eight or nine years. Wow. I was just super busy with work, um, my timeline with school and work, and my timeline never lined up with my family's, and it was just incredible, like it I felt such a connection to the people. Um, We were able to travel to Mexico City and other states, um, a little bit in Jalisco and stuff, just places I'd never been. And I thought, this this is where I need to be. Mm. Went back, started my application process, um, was heavily guided. I, like, filled out my application, and then I had to go through an on-campus interview with a Fulbright committee. Then I submitted my application, let's say in October. I was invited for a second-round interview in February with the Fulbright Commission via Skype, completely in Spanish. It was terrifying. I blacked out. I don't remember that half hour of my life. And then in April, I I received the email that I was awarded the grants, that's um, July, yeah, July, June, I received my placement, and then in August, um, I was flown out to Mexico City for our orientation, and just to, like, 
process all the paperwork. So it was quite a ride. Wow. Really, really intense. So you already had like a little experience as far as like just living somewhere else but with that study abroad experience, right? Yeah, absolutely. Does it feel different like when you like study abroad versus like living abroad? Like what's the difference in that? Well, when I was studying abroad, I feel like there was so much structure to the experience. I was living with a host family. I had to attend these classes. We had certain um, community service hours we also had to fulfill. So... I don't know, I just really felt like I was, in a way, stuck to a schedule. You know, I already knew I don't want to live with a host family because that's just not, I'm very, like, easygoing and I don't, I don't want to live under, like, someone else's roof kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so it just helped a lot to put everything in perspective and think, this is the kind of experience I want moving forward. Is that something I think the Fulbright program will be able to give me? And, yeah, I concluded that it was. <laughs> 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 that's awesome. That, that, that's awesome. And what, what, what was the reaction of, like, your family when you said, hey, I'm going to Mexico. I'm going home. <laughs> um, initially, they hated it. They hated the idea. And it's something, um, you know, I think a lot of first-gen people may struggle with. Like, I think we have this, it's like a you have such a strong like feeling and like gravitation towards going back and living in your parents' home country. And it's something that they just don't understand because, you know, they worked their entire life to bring you to America, to bring me to New York. Mm-hmm. And now I wanted to go back to everything they not, not ran away from, but to everything they wanted to leave in the past. It was really hard to get them to kind of see why I would want to do something like that. And it's something that came up in conversation with my students in Mexico a lot. Mm. They would ask me all the time, well, why did you choose to leave Mexico? And I was like, uh, that was a decision that was made for me. You know, I mean, I love it. I love going to New York and everything. I didn't change anything. Like, I didn't choose this place. (laughs) (laughs) It was so hard to get them to understand that. The year abroad, as much as it was, like, professional development and trying out the education world, so much of it was, like, soul-searching and connecting with the Mexican half of my cultural identity. Mm. Um, it was a lot. Let's talk about that soul-searching, right? Because I, I, I hear that a lot, and I think about that for myself as well, right? That I think, like, when it comes to, like, traveling and doing all these things that, you know, it's kind of like a soul-searching kind of, you know, like, adventure. So... You've done it. Like you, you, you did it, right? You studied abroad. You lived abroad. So what, what came of that? Like, what do you like? Do you feel like you know yourself more? Like, what came of this, of of this experience in regards to like soul searching? I think back a lot to one of my first days in Mexico. Um, We were still in orientation, and we were at um, the Secretaria de Educación Pública's building, which is essentially like the education department of Mexico, they like control all schooling and everything. We were um, being given a tour of the building because it has these incredible murals painted by Diego Rivera, Mm. who is one of the most iconic Mexican painters in history. Um, I would say say painters in general, but yeah. (laughs) Painters in general, yeah, absolutely. Um, Before we started our tour, they told us that when Diego was commissioned to create these murals, he initially declined um, because he said, you know, tell me to paint murals of Paris and Rome and London. I can do that. 
but I don't know Mexico at all. So what the what the education department did was send Diego on a year round tour of Mexico so he could get to know all the places and really like capture the essence of all the states right there in the building. And when I heard that, I was like, this is my Diego Rivera year. Mm, Like, that's mm. exactly what I wanted. I feel like as a Mexican-American, you, like, live in this in-between, you know? I'm here in, like, Westchester County, which is such a rep of, like, you know, like, snooty upper-class, like, white people. But that's not the case. I grew up in a town that's super diverse big Latinx population. Um, but you're still kind of caught in this in-between of, you know, I'm, I'm not Latin enough. I'm not, like, American enough. I don't know what's going on. And I feel like I was able to explore uh, maybe, like, American values and stuff through my education, like, in college. But going abroad to Mexico for me, was it was just really important to connect with the culture and learn as much as I can see family, learn traditions, work on the language. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. So so what was um so when you got back, right, to the states, what was your family reaction? Were they were they like, "Oh, I'm so happy you're back." Or like, "We're glad you did it." What was their reaction after the fact? Yeah, they were really happy I did it. They were really happy to have me back. Um <laughs> I was able to see my parents during my year abroad, they went to our hometown, which is in Michoacán. So Michoacán is only about three hours from where I was in Aguascalientes. So it was pretty easy to make trips back and forth, go see my grandparents on weekends and stuff. Um, and they, I feel like they could tell that there was a change. Mostly, I think I just got a lot better with the language, um, just kind of picking up on colloquialisms and stuff like that. Mm. Um and then it was, like, incredible to share experiences I've had with them, like, you know, just visiting other states. And they would tell me I've never been there. Mm. Um, and I, I didn't think I would ever get there. But now that you have gone and you visited Guanajuato and Oaxaca and all these places, maybe it's somewhere we could go together in the future. That's amazing. So, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, it was like my whole life I've known Mexico through their idea of Mexico and their lens and the places they've known and seen. And while I was abroad, I got to find my own version of Mexico and find like a modern, modern Mexico. And now we're able to share it together. And that's been my favorite. Uh, just like reminiscing. It, it's so fun. Yeah. I, I think yeah. Um, I had a similar experience when I went to the Dominican Republic for the first mm-hmm. time by myself. Um, I, cause I do a lot of solo traveling and I decided to go to the Dominican Republic uh, last year. My parents were not happy that I was going <laughs> by myself to the Dominican Republic. Because again, they're like, no, don't go there. Like, if you're going to go there, go with us or go with family. You know, do not go by yourself. But I went there by myself because I wanted to see what it was like through my own eyes. Because yeah. the only time I used to go there was as a child and one time as an adult, but with like to the resort you know <laughs> and right, that's right. it so um i wanted to like you know stay in the capital say Santo domingo and like travel by myself and what, what kind of like what you said resonated with me is the fact like i was going to places that they'd never been like yeah. i was showing them places in the capital that they might have come across but not really because like they grew up i don't know about like, your parents but like my parents grew up in a village 
in uh okay. in Dominican Republic. And so they really they never really ventured out of that village. And like they will go to places, but you know, maybe it's not even in their memory anymore, right? Like it was so many years ago that they don't recall. And my parents have not visited like the capital in God knows how many years, you know? So like me right. like saying them pictures while I was on vacation was kinda like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, like I felt I felt like more part of them and more closer to them that I'm like, hey, I'm here in your stomping grounds, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, no. I, yeah. absolutely. I felt the same way. And I feel like they've gone a couple of times since I've been back on their own. And every time that they're there, they'll send me a picture of a new town or a new mm. city they've gone to visit. And I feel like I've just really encouraged them and shown them that there's so much more that they're able to see. And now that I'm the oldest, I'm 24, but I have two younger sisters. One mm. is 23 and one is 16. So they're all kind of older now. They're able to travel with them in the country. It's pretty cool. That is awesome. So yeah. do you think their perception yeah. has changed in regards to like that kind of traveling? Yeah, I think it's definitely changed. I think they've always had these ideas and these desires to travel and get to know these other cities or states. Um but in a way, I feel like maybe it's just because of the way they were raised. They're also from a village, like, very humble. They kind of suppress those desires and were like, that's something that people like us can't do. And I'm like, yeah, you can. Mm. I did it. <laughs> yeah, so, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and so speaking about what changed about you, did did you when you went back, did everything seem like, oh, not everything is the same back here in New York? Something feel like it didn't fit with you anymore? Like, tell me about that. Yeah, I think the thing I struggled with the most was there were there are cultural differences. I think I still battle with today. Uh, Aguascalientes is a big um, going out city in terms of like just spending time with your friends, um, going out for walks, going out for dinner, going out for drinks, um, which vibes very much so with me. Like. Every other Fulbrighter that was there with me was like, you were placed in the perfect city. Because I just love, one of my love languages is definitely quality time. So I love spending time with people. Um, and I feel like it was something that was real, very important for me when I was abroad. Because, you know, it's hard making friends when you're abroad. So I had like a little group and it was very important for me to see them a lot. Or else I'd just be like holed up in my apartment. Mm -hmm. um, and coming back here... Uh, a lot of my friends were in transitory periods with jobs. So a lot of people that live in Westchester will commute into New York City, and that's like your whole day is shot because you're up at 6 a.m. on a train. Um, you're not back to your town until like 7, 8 p.m. So I found it really uh, hard, and I also felt like discouraged trying to keep up um, friendships and relationships I kind of felt like people weren't making time for me or like I was the only one that was putting any effort into the friendship because a hangout in Mexico would happen just like at the snap of someone's fingers you'd be like hey you want to go out for dinner sure I'll see you in an hour mm. here it's like hey you want to go out for dinner well I have 40 minutes on October 17th <laughs> um but you have to come meet me here yeah yeah, so I think that's, to this day, something I still really struggle with, just because I, I made great friendships abroad, and whenever someone, not like blows me off, because that's like unfair to say, 
but whenever I'm like trying to plan something with someone and it's taking us like three or four times, I'm like, eh, you know, this isn't worth it. Like, it's just. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, she has <laughs> clearly, a, it's frustrating. Yeah, no, clearly. I'm still frustrated <laughs> clearly, you are going through it. No, <laughs> a part of me kind of worries about that a little bit, right? Because, like, I think about like the fact there's a, there's like a Chris Rock bit that um <laughs> did many years ago where he says that women can't date like once they date a certain kind of guy, they can't like downgrade. So like, if a woman dates a man that has a car, she can't all of a sudden date a guy that doesn't have a car. Ooh. And I think about that when I think about like me living abroad, because right now I'm in my first ever apartment that I, that is my own. You know, like I had a roommate back in New York City because it's so expensive. Right. So I, at first I'm like, oh my god, like what do I do with myself? Like I have no one to talk to. But now I'm like used to having my own space and only my yeah. space. So I'm thinking about if I ever go back to New York, because I do. I say I plan to go back. I don't know when, but like how am I gonna live with somebody? <laughs> How how I'm going to be used to this and now revert back to something that is no longer might yeah. not be a part of how I am, like similar to you, right? Totally. And I oh think that and that worries me. So like in your in your case is like you're used to a certain way of like communicating with people, right? Of like may, may, right. maybe being more spontaneous now in the way you approach things where people maybe where, where you live or not. Where they're like, no, things got to be planned out. You know, we have this and we that. And that kind of, you know, it goes against how maybe how you are now maybe this experience really did change you and like as you are as a person or maybe you're still acclimating like i don't know <laughs> so i think it's yeah. definitely very interesting i think it's a mixture of both another big um realization um i can't think of the word i don't know if the word is collectivist it's the opposite of individualistic so the usa new york especially we're I think brought up to be like 100% just like individual, do everything on our own, mm-hmm. pave our own way, blah, 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 all this stuff. And Mexico is the complete opposite. You are very much like subjected to the viewpoints of everyone around you and they're all very like collectivist and all like that. So I think I got to Mexico and I was very used to doing everything on my own, taking public transport on my own, like uh, getting my groceries, like all this kind of stuff. And then as the year went on, I feel like I was kind of hesitant to go out without someone else. And I did have a roommate in Mexico, another Fulbrighter. But I think back to this one day where I took a personal day, I was just hanging out, did some shopping, um, went to get lunch at this place by my apartment, super cute, and ordered my dish. And I kind of saw the waiters just kind of circling around my table. I was like, this is kind of weird. And they literally came up to me and were like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, what's going on? And they were like, well, you know, if you're lonely, I can sit here with you and just have a conversation with you while you have your lunch. And I was like, I am fine. I am, like, absolutely elated by the idea that I will be having lunch on my own. So, uh, no need, but thank you for the offer. I feel like stuff like that happens all the time. Oh, wow. I cannot believe that a young that a 23-year-old was walking around town, like, <laughs> in the market, haggling with people, like, sitting at a bar, having a drink. It was kind of crazy. So yeah. when I got back to New York, and I had to, like, take the train into the city, or start driving again, or maybe my friend wanted to meet up with me, but I was, like, half an hour early. I was like, I can't go into this restaurant by myself. 
and I'd like walk around the block or something until they got there. It it was so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. literally the most frustrating thing and i sense that i i completely agree with that i think that especially new york city right and it's like new york yeah. in general i feel and i think that you said like the american culture of like in the individualism that like here like here's for here in costa rica like i don't feel comfortable doing anything about myself here like the, i think right? <laughs> everyone does everyone's with someone here there's no let's go let me go explore by myself that's not the mentality here i feel i i would say yeah. in latin america and i think about like you said your first gen on first gen as well I think that's just Latin culture. And that's why I think my parents frowned upon me ever solo traveling. They're like, who do you know over there? Why are you going? Like, I, when I went to Mexico, they're like, you don't know one in Mexico. Why are you going <laughs> Why are you going to Mexico? So I really believe that that's the mentality of, like, of like the Latin culture of, like, no, you do things with people that you know yeah. and that you love and you need company. And I'm very much not really like that. Like, I like company, but I very, and just like you just said, I'm fine with doing things on my own. Like, I've, I'm used to that. So it's a very, like, it's crazy. It's very crazy how, like, you kind of fight that in your own, like, where you are. Like I said, you being in New York. But you also fight that culturally as well. So it's like this really, yeah. this is a hard battle. <laughs> 100%. And speaking to Latin culture, I think Latin people are also just very hospitable and very generous and they want to do things for you but I had experiences abroad where I would tell people oh I'm gonna go to this Pueblo Magico which are just like cute little towns like I just want to go see it go on a day trip and people would tell me you can't go there on your own I'm like why not I'm just gonna grab the bus or take a taxi I don't know and they're like no no, no I'm gonna clear my entire day and I will personally drive you which is worse because then you feel like you're inconveniencing yeah. people and they're like no no I want to be here with you and you just can't shake the feeling yeah, yeah, yeah. that you're a burden whereas like here people would know they'd be like great have fun tell me all about it tomorrow yeah yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll watch I'll follow your IG <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> make sure you post so I can see what's happening <laughs> No, that's so oh crazy. God. That's so crazy. But yeah, so now, like, so it's I'm I'm just glad I'm speaking to you because I is is like I'm processing things in my mind. Like, oh my god, Adrian, what happens if you go back? What if you go through mm. the same kinds of things? You know, what do you feel? Do you feel like all right now I'm in New York, now I feel home, or do you feel like I got to go somewhere else now? Like I'm not done with this living abroad thing. How do you how do you view it now? I think I have one more trip left in me. <laughs> I know it sounds crazy when I say that to people. But I no, I genuinely do feel like I could go even if it's not abroad, I feel like I could also make a domestic move maybe to I don't know, like DC or Boston or Portland. Mm-hmm. Um in my opinion, I love New York. I've never lived like in Manhattan or one of the boroughs, but I kind of do see that as an end game for me. So I would like to have another experience abroad, especially now I've steered away from, well, no, I still kind of work in education, but I work in nonprofit now. Okay. So I think there are a lot of cool opportunities with nonprofits domestically and abroad that I feel like, yeah, I can go somewhere else. And do you, do you have a um, place then, in mind, or is... It's really out in the open. I could see myself going back to Mexico. Like, Mexico City would be really dope. Okay. I love that place. Europe, again, would be a dream. Madrid is, like, my second favorite place in the world. <laughs> another big city. Another city. Another big city, uh, yeah, Aguas, yeah. Aguascalientes was not a big city. 
Got it. I mean, it's bigger than the town I live in here, but it still very much felt like a little pueblo, like a little town. And I lived right in the city center because I knew what I wanted and I knew I had to be near the action and everything, but it really did feel like a town. I got to know like, everyone on my block. I could never go anywhere without seeing someone I knew, which is nice. <laughs> I did enjoy that. But, um, yeah, I could see myself going somewhere else. And third time's a charm, you know? No, that's real, I've I think. Had, yeah. So I do a little segment at the end of, uh, well, at least I try to, at the end of every show, where I ask you certain questions about um, where you lived or where, you know, is there other places. Okay, cool. Yeah, and tell me, first thing that comes to your mind. All right. So number okay. one, favorite place in Mexico. Oh my god, that's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite place in Mexico. I have to say Aguascalientes. Like, it's just the perfect mix of, you have the city life. Um, I'm really into, like, ecotourism, so there's a lot of really cool hikes you can do around Aguascalientes and the city and zip lining and stuff. It's really cool. The food is good. And the people are just the best part. They're so welcoming and, like, just they're fun, you know. Mm. I'm a big partier. I love to party <laughs> and, like, go out, have good food. It's also home to the biggest fair in Latin America. It's called La Feria San Marcos really? in April and May. Uh, it's incredible. Imagine, like, Times Square ball drop night like new year's eve it's like that times imagine like six times squares that's what the fair is like and you can ask anika about it because she came to visit me during fair oh really it was like an experience like none other (laughs) wow that sounds amazing wow wow wow, that's great i mean actually i don't know i don't know how amazing that sounds because i never would want to go during new year's eve during times squares (laughs) (laughs) it had its ups and downs (laughs) Uh, what was I going to say? Okay. Fav- um, favorite food? Carnitas. Carnitas. Okay, okay. That's, I think Love that's a, carnitas. That's a good one. Um, favorite tourist place? In Mexico yeah. as a whole? As a whole, yeah, yeah. Um, You're the authority here. <laughs> probably um, the pyramids. Oh, Chichen Itza? Outside. Oh, dude. I've never been to Chichen Itza, okay. which I'm sure is also incredible. Yeah, that's but incredible. I've been to Teotihuacan outside of Mexico City twice, and it's like a half day trip you can make. Really, really incredible. Three mm. pyramids. Super cool. Um, what is the one thing that you think people should know about living in Mexico? Make a point to befriend neighbors. Or just anyone really in close proximity to you. Um, I think sometimes, or maybe more so from a New York perspective, people are like very hesitant to do so or just don't want to be bothered by neighbors. But they can be such a huge help in Mexico. Like They'll take care of you. They can give you advice on anything. Like This was my first time in Mexico. It was my first time like renting an apartment doing anything of the sort and thankfully my roommate who is a Fulbrighter from New Mexico kind of knew the ins and outs of that but when it came time to um getting our gas replaced or not not knowing how to turn on our oven or figuring out like water situations like we relied on our neighbors a lot and they were more than I feel like they took us in 
we were like their second daughters. That's awesome. And and to close us off with the most philosophical question or most, (laughs) what, uh, what's the number one thing that you learned about? Like the most important thing you learned about living abroad? Just like not compromising your experience for the sake of anyone else. I feel like when you have the chance to experience something like that, like it is kind of important to be not like a hundred percent selfish, but to like think of yourself primarily. Just like don't compromise your experience for anyone else. Just put yourself first. And be in tune with yourself basically, right? Yes. I think sometimes like I was abroad with a cohort of sixty other full writers and I think some of them got stuck in situ in living situations or in school situations that they were not happy with and had to deal with the entire year because they were too afraid to speak up and say, hey, I don't want to live in this living situation you arranged for me. Hey, I've never taken an education class before in my life. I'm not comfortable leading this entire session of your class. You know, things that could have easily been fixed, but they felt like it would burden the people that were hosting them or they just didn't want to be a trouble to people. And it's like, hello like we're a guest not like we're a guest but like (laughs) you (laughs) you have the authority to do that like i i I don't know think of yourself and your comforts because then you're just gonna spend your entire experience hating that one little aspect of it and it's just gonna like take over everything else you know you'll fixate on that and sometimes those just can be really easy fixes Hey, hope you enjoyed that episode um, with Susanna. It was very interesting listening to her speak about all the different things that went through her mind, the transitions of going back to New York, moving somewhere that is her heritage. She moved to Mexico. Her parents are Mexican. Hearing those things really made me think about, wow, what would it be like to live where my parents lived? (laughs) You know, and also think about the fact of post-abroad. That's not in my mindset right now, but it's definitely something that I think about, especially when I spoke to her, because it was almost as if I was looking into a crystal ball. She was talking about, yeah, I moved back to New York and I felt this way, individualism versus collectivism. I think those are very real uh, aspects of culture shock that one gets, right? And then the reverse culture shock when you go back home. And I've read about those things. These are very real things that happen to people when they move abroad and then go back. And I think it's good to have a perspective on that and hearing it from someone that's done it, you know. And she's only 24. And that's another reason why I wanted to interview her because I think it's very interesting hearing it from someone that is younger. I'm 29. Not that much older, but still a different part of my life, I would say, than she is. And it's very awesome to get the perspective of someone who is younger and has the itch to do it again. And I think I might get the itch to do it again. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see how this pans out here in Costa Rica. If I want to stay here forever or go back to New York or go somewhere else. But it's definitely just is good to hear it from someone that has done it, has walked in my shoes and know what it feels like to move somewhere else and things of that nature. So, yeah. Next week's episode, you'll be hearing from Brian. Brian is living in Abu Dhabi. I met Brian in San Francisco, and he is a counselor at a school in Abu Dhabi. Very excited about airing that episode. We hit on a lot of different things. 
hope you get into that uh, next week. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. This is In Living Color Abroad. Peace. <laughs>